Hello, I'm Brandon Perna, host of That's Good Sports, a 10-minute-ish daily NFL comedy podcast. Have you ever wished for a crappy version of The Daily Show, but only about the NFL? Then, first and foremost, I implore you to dream much bigger. Secondly, I would recommend subscribing to That's Good Sports. Every weekday, I will be giving you NFL news, telling questionable jokes, and swearing just enough so you won't ever be able to listen with your kids in the room or car. I don't ask for a lot, but if you don't subscribe on iTunes, my wife said she will leave me. Thanks, and I look forward to putting my voice in your ear holes. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is the September 27th episode, and we, as always, are dedicated to answering all of those fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at RandallRant. Today, we are talking to Derek Brown, who is one of the true fantasy football grinders. Derek's a writer over at the Quant Edge, does amazing work, as well as for Fantasy Data NFL. He's the co-author of the Fantasy Football Black Book, and I love those Quant Edge video series he has going on on Twitter. Twitter, where he and Ben Heisler review and preview each NFL week. Must follow. Love following him on Twitter. Great interaction with everybody at dbro underscore ffb. And he is ready to preview week four. We have NFL bye weeks. Need some insight. So we're talking to Derek here. Derek, thanks so much for joining us on the bag. Fantastic to have your knowledge here at Rotoviz. <laughs> Mike, like this is a good time, man. We've kind of been going back and forth, DMs, traveling in the same circles. Uh, I was on Mailbag last year. I'm Look, I, congrats. I'm so excited you're hosting this year, man. This has been good. I know when I've tuned into it, it's been a great experience listening to you. Oh, I appreciate that. And I've had so many great guests on. You're right there with everyone. And the first question I ask, I've gotten a lot of feedback on Twitter here and on social media. People want to know, how did you get started with fantasy football? The Quan Edge came out last year, I believe it was. It's blown up. You're doing great work over there. You're everywhere. I don't think you sleep at all. But just give us a little background here on how you first got started in fantasy football. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head. Uh, sleep is a valued commodity, especially in-season, much less off-season. But yeah, it's, uh, I started uh, this entire journey down this rabbit hole about three years ago. I just woke up one morning and was like, man, you know what? I love fantasy, love football. I live, breathe, talk this stuff probably more than any human should ever. But I, I wanted to get more in-depth with it. So I, 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 got, I had a Twitter account, never did anything with it. And I just sent out some DMs, man, some guys that I'd seen some articles on. And I was like, look, I, how do I get into writing? How do I do this stuff? And one thing led to another. I started writing with um, I started writing with a with a website that now just does draft kits, uh, Fantasy Football twenty four seven podcast within about two three years. Uh, did some stuff with Locked On Network. Got writing for Roto Underworld, which I mean, you and me have collabed on on some stuff there. Absolutely, yep. Um, and then uh, yeah, Gridiron Experts. Then went to Fantasy Data and. and Hooked up with Elliot and the Quant Edge last year since launch, and yeah, it's it's been a great experience over there. But I mean, really, the whole thing, man, is just I, I bought a Chromebook and, and reached out to people, and it's and really just kept uh, taking every single opportunity that was put in front of me. I never said no, and 
tried to learn and grow as much as I possibly could, man. And it, it's been one hell of a ride. I can't wait to see where, where this goes in the next two to three years. I mean, it's it's been amazing. I never even thought I'd, I'd get to this kind of point when I, I wrote uh, – my first article was about sleepers, and I think I wrote like three or four players up, and it must have been maybe like 400 words, and I was talking about Julius Thomas, man. it's 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 been a long journey. And the thing that you do so well is you have captured different media platforms. You're writing, you have the video going on, you did some videos for the player profiler, wrote of his draft kit. I think you did one, in fact, on Demetrius Harris, who now, of course, is very relevant with it, David Njoku out. So that's the key, right? Getting involved in different ways, not just writing, doing some podcasts, Twitter, and just being involved in a variety of ways. Yeah, I absolutely agree, man. I, and that's one of my things. Like, I try to be... Um, I might not be the absolute sharpest guy at every single thing, and, and I will own that. But I think versatility and expanding your skill set to, to try and cover just a wealth of different types of media, different types of formats, whether – I mean we're talking Dynasty, DFS, uh, betting, uh, props, uh, redraft, all these different formats of fantasy – because if you could do all of those and you're well-rounded, what, what kind of question are you going to get hit with or what kind of topic are you not going to be able to cover? And that's really what I'm trying to do. Totally agree. And let's dive right in here. The first one, of course, Giants are going to be without Saquon Barkley, high ankle sprain. And just learned today, we're recording this on Thursday, looks like Barkley will avoid surgery, but it certainly looks like an eight-week absence at least. Listener writes in right off the bat, it's going to be Wayne Gallman. Is he worth a pickup with Danny Dimes, or should I look elsewhere for Carlos Hyde? Of course, this morning, it seems like Jay Ajayi is getting actual push here. So what are your thoughts on Gallman for this week against the Redskins? And then long term, if Ajayi or somebody like that does sign, where do you slot him in for the time period until Barkley comes back? Uh, so I, I, as far as all the Ajayi stuff, I mean, maybe I'm just a total fish in saying this, but I, I feel like that's all just Ajayi's agent floating, <laughs> trying to get <laughs> him a yes, job. Yes, definitely could be, yes. I, I, I just get the feeling, man, because Ajayi's been at a point where a team should have signed him by now. It doesn't matter. They're talking about him being ready for games and stuff like that. And teams sign running backs when they're still in the rehab process. So I don't know why JHI is still in the street, it, it, whether it's accumulation of all the knee injuries and stuff like that. I'm not putting much to the JHI signing and all those rumors. I think this is Gallman's backfield, and it could be a backfield that he owns for a long time, considering you know they're not going to rush Barkley back. I, I think the, the closer to six to eight-week time frame that we're looking at, they're not going to rush him back. He is the cornerstone of this franchise. Yes, I love Danny Dimes, but Barkley is the face of all of this right now. They spent the top three pick, whether we like it or not. Running backs matter or they don't. It does not matter to anybody because that's what happened. And so they're going to preserve Barkley. They're going to put – he's going to be back in this offense whenever he's healthy – and so with Gallman, especially you line this up, they have a bye week up. I believe it's week 11. So he might not be back until week 12. And if you're looking at a running back that is going to get all the touches, going to get all the targets, he is behind a top three. As of right now, and we're recording this, they are number one in run blocking and adjusted line yards over football outsiders. Crazy. So if we really want to subscribe to running backs do not matter and we look at situation, you have a rookie quarterback that's willing to push the ball down the field. You have him running behind a top three offensive line that can open up holes that a bus could drive through. Yeah, I'm, I'll buy into Gallman because even if you look at his next five matchups, 
Washington is dumpster fire. Minnesota and New England are really, really good. But Arizona and Detroit are middle of the road at best against running backs. So I would go with Gallman. I'm the, I, I just don't want to worry about Carlos Hyde. Like, he's had some, some solid games. But nothing great. I mean, he's basically the, the the dollar store version of Sony Michelle right now. He's not getting. Oh, that's targets. a good one. Oh, is that a good one? Yep. It, he's not getting targets. He at, at best you look. He you hope for positive game script, and then you hope at the goal line that Deshaun Watson doesn't run the ball in his damn self. So, I, I give me Gallman. I don't want anything to do with Hyde. It's a fascinating situation because even though Hyde has been very 22 carries, 90 rushing yards, right? That sort of line, they're still looking at other people too with C.J. Anderson and all those guys. So it's fascinating. If it's Gallman's backfield, he's going to produce. He's going to have opportunity, opportunity rules. And it's a great point you talked about. If running backs really don't matter, then people should like Wayne Gallman, right? Because the line has has performed real well. Yeah, absolutely. And And people look at that and they say, well, 90 rushing yards. Did he get a touchdown? Did he get a target? So he got you nine points. Who cares? That, that, what does that do for you? That's not even flex-worthy. Well, the Chiefs' backfield, and I'll fully admit, full disclosure here, that this one hits close to home, and I'll explain why. Chiefs' backfield has been fantasy gold for many players, right? Kareem Hunt, then Spencer Ware for a few games, Damian Williams last year. Now we have a new potential player with Darrell Williams, who performed in the game on Sunday a little bit. LaShawn McCoy got injured late. What do you make of this backfield moving forward? Reason I ask is because in one of my big leagues that I was doing very well in, round one was Aquan Barkley, and round two, at the end of round two I was picking, I went with Damian Williams because I just didn't see anyone there. Carry on, had C.J. Anderson taking goal line carries, so I went with Damian Williams. So right now, Derek, that team, just really fantastic start. Two first <laughs> picks are pretty much done. So my question is, Darwin Thompson, is he dead? What's the value with Darrell Williams? Versus LaShawn McCoy. Oh, I think as long as McCoy is healthy, that we're seeing that th- th- this could be his backfield for the rest of the season. I, I think Andy Reid loves him. They brought him in super fast. As long as he has two legs underneath him. And the last reports I looked at, I think it was yesterday, that that McCoy – I know Williams is still out of pra- – Damian Williams is still out of practice. They didn't make any mention of LaShawn McCoy, so I'm going to go with the assumption, and you know what they say about assuming, but that uh, LaShawn McCoy is practicing as of right now. If he suits up, I, I still think that this is a possibility. McCoy runs away with his backfield. And Darrell Williams – if McCoy and, and Damian are out, it's, it's a mess. I just think it's a mess. I think that – Neither one of of Daryl nor Darwin would get the full workload, which is weird because you're looking at Reed backfields. It's usually the one guy. Whoever the guy is that's healthy is the one guy, but we haven't seen that so far. The Chiefs have really slanted very heavily going towards passing this year, which, I mean, why the hell shouldn't they? Because it's Patrick Mahomes. But I, this backfield is, is an absolute mess, I guess, to answer you best, Mike. I, I, if McCoy's healthy, it's his backfield moving forward. If McCoy's not back there, then I think it's just a total mess. Yeah, McCoy did practice limited yesterday, and he was quoted in the paper as saying, so much space, so much room, so much opportunity in this offense. And that's really what it came down to for me. I was looking to secure production. The mm-hmm. problem is there's just so many guys. But I agree, especially encouraged last week by his reception. He ran one in and he caught one. He is involved. I think in big games, he's going to be the guy to go to. Yeah, agreed. Week four, so basically one-fourth of the real NFL season 
is passed. More than that, for the fantasy season as well. Let's do a little buy low. So are these players who are underachieving, are they buys at their current value? So I'm asking, are they going to turn it around? We're recording this on Thursday, so... Right now, right off the bat, you're going to know, Derek, the knee-jerk reaction people are going to grade you on this next comment. <laughs> Green Bay wide receiver Devontae Adams, is, is he going to turn it around? Is he going to start going in the right direction? He is going to smash and grab, and it's going to start this week, man. I think we have the massive week. And yes, I know I'm playing and I'm strolling down Narrative Street, but I'm totally with it this week. I think Rodgers has come out talking about, even LaFleur has come out talking about how they need to feed Devontae. He is going to eat and have a full belly after this week. I mean, look, you can't ask for a better script. You have a going against the Eagles who have allowed the fourth most DK points per game to wide receivers. This dude's only has two red zone targets and none inside the 10. This is a get right spot if there is any right now. Even if Ronald Darby's probably not going to play this game, but even if he does, Devontae should have no issues dusting him. And so I think that Devontae is going to bounce back in a big way and it starts this week. Yeah, I agree. You know, his prop bet for over under yardage tonight, I've followed these. Even Mike Evans last week was in the 70s. We all thought it was a smash spot for him. His prop bet tonight over under receiving yards 84 and a half, which tells me that they think it's going to be a big game as well. Now, I don't know if he gets to 84 and a half, but honestly, that's one of the higher prop bets, which at least means to me that Vegas thinks he's going to get fed. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Next up, Arizona quarterback Kyler Murray. Now, listen, he's had production. He had the back-to-back 300-yard passing games. The one at Baltimore I thought was very impressive. But he hasn't been running as much. He did last game. So my question is, Kyler Murray, he's had a very difficult start to the schedule. Certainly has. Detroit wasn't even easy with their defense. So is he going to start to turn it around? Is that Konami code going to come forward buying low on Kyler Murray? I think you have to. I, I mean, right now, currently, he's leading the NFL in passing attempts. We saw him flash the rushing upside, which everybody's kind of been waiting for. It's like, okay, we hear all of the stuff about it. Can he run? He can run. When are we going to see it? You saw it last week. So if he stacks the touchdowns, the weird thing about it is we've seen the passing. He had the 300-yard games previously. Now he runs, and if he would have hit the 300 yards last week, he would have put up a massive game. So he bounces back in that respect. The schedule is about to open up for him. They take on Seattle, Cincinnati, Atlanta, the Giants, and then the Saints. Three of those five teams are in the top ten in fantasy points per game allowed to the quarterback position. Much less, I mean, like, look, the Falcons just lost Neil in the back end. Seattle made Andy Dalton look like the GOAT in week one. So all five of these matchups, we know Arizona's going to run a lot of plays. They're going to pass the ball a lot. All of these matchups are prime spots for Murray to smash. If you get him, you need to get him now because, look, this week coming up, you could be too late if you don't do it right now. I agree with you, especially against Atlanta. I I believe, Derek, you can get whatever you want against Atlanta's defense. Without Neal, I agree. He's going to start lighting it up. He's had QB 13, 16, and 17 fantasy performances here. I think the big one is coming with Kyler Murray. That buy-low window closes very quickly. Next, Bengals running back Joe Mixon. So Joe Mixon starts of the year. Fantasy PPR running back 58. PPR running back 46, and last week at the end of the first half when he had 18 yards rushing, no one thought he would end up as the PPR RB10. Joe Mixon, no Jonah Williams, of course, he's out for the year, the rookie tackle. Buying on Joe Mixon, yes or no? Not for me. I just, I think that he he is going to get volume, but 
Gosh, I, I don't know how we project any spike weeks for him. I know he finished as the RB10 last week, but if he doesn't get in the end zone last week, he's, it's another dust week. And if you look at the upcoming schedule for him, Pittsburgh, Arizona's a good spot, but then you got Baltimore, Jacksonville, the Rams are a good spot. But this this Bengals team, I mean, Taylor has shown they're willing to throw, throw, throw. Uh, we're going to run. No, 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 no. We're going to throw again. So behind what is on paper the worst offensive line in football right now, and it's not even close, I I can't get behind Mixon. There's no way. Well, for all those reasons, that's why I just picked up Pittsburgh as my fantasy defense. I know that's a Monday night game and the Bengals have thrown a lot, but I agree the offensive line is shaky and Pittsburgh usually does a very good job stopping the run. So if you're going to buy Joe Mixon, I don't think this is the week. Vikings wide receiver Stefan Diggs. Now, Derek, you followed me on Twitter. I'm going to lead the witness here. I have not been a Diggs guy. I know he looks great in warm-ups. He's a great route runner, superior athlete. Absolutely. But very feast or famine. And in this Viking offense, which is heavy run first, I think the heaviest run first percentage in the NFL, 60% or maybe even more at this point, I don't know about Stefan Diggs. Wide receiver 73, wide receiver 42, and last week, wide receiver 78 against the Raiders in what really was a nice passing opportunity. So are you buying Stefan Diggs at this point? I'm not buying him. I think if you have him, you got a whole Good answer. Man. Good answer. Yep. Look, and I'm one of the biggest Diggs truthers out there. I love the guy. His route running, his separation skills, everything. But there's there's two big problems. You alluded to one of them. The other one that we've already seen rear its head is that he's ended up in the injury report. The splits when he's on the injury report and not on the injury report are massive. Now, is he injured right now? No. But with it, like you're talking about, Mike, the Vikings want to run the ball. That's going to happen. Basically, the Vikings are playing the 2018 Seattle narrative. That's what they're doing. If they're allowed to run the ball 45 times a game and pass it 10 times, we've already seen that happen. And it's going to happen for the rest of the year. So Stephon Diggs, the best you can hope for him right now is that you hold him. The only way he's going to pay off anything close is if he has a Tyler Lockett. And I know I'm still playing out the narrative of Seattle, but it's true. With his volume, unless he just has this uber-efficient season, he's not going to pay off on it. Because he's getting downfield targets, and the only way that he's going to sit here and pay off on him, he's going to have spike weeks. Like, not last week, but the week before, he uh, Cousins missed him on a deep shot, and then he had another long touchdown call back. So Very could, true. He, yep. could he have had a, a, a massive smash week? Yes, he could have. Now, there's no way that we can project him to just have enough consistent volume to be a fantasy producer. The best way that you do with Diggs is you target him in DFS – and you don't, you don't, you hold him in season long. And if you got to, you put him in just for a ceiling play. Past that, he's going to hurt you more than help you. Last one here. I had somebody write in about him, so I put him in this this buy or sell area. Oakland running back Josh Jacobs. Now, when the Raiders were winning that first game against the Broncos, it was a close game back and forth. Jacobs was eating 113 total yards, two touchdowns. RB6 PPR performance in week one. But since then, they've had negative game script against Kansas City, certainly, against Minnesota last week. He's a little banged up as well. I lost 10 pounds, he said on, on Instagram. And he was RB28 and RB49. He is not catching passes, Derek, only one reception in three games. But he is the only game in town, in essence. So buy or sell Josh Jacobs moving forward in the Raiders' backfield. I think you buy him. 
I really do. Uh, Gruden has come out and, and will we make out a coach speak and things of that nature? I understand. I'm not buying so much into that, but he has come out saying we got to get this guy moving. We have to sit here and get him more involved in the pass game. Now, whether that happens or it doesn't is really no consequence to me in the sense that if you look at the upcoming schedule for Josh Jacobs, it does open up. They have the Colts, the Bears, the Packers, Texans, Lions, Chargers, and Bengals. Now, out of those matchups, the only one that's going to strike fear in your heart is the Bears. Past that, the rest of those teams are middle of the road or they're juicy matchups for the run. So I think that Jacobs... He could have a great game coming this week, provided health. And this is the time to get him right now with all the things you're talking about, losing the 10 pounds, no pass game involvement. I think not necessarily positive game scripts, but I think neutral game scripts are coming and he's going to get an uptick in volume. I want to stay with the running backs here and go to some ambiguous backfields. No one likes these backfields, but everyone tries to solve them because you want to get a piece of it. And a lot of these backfields have players who are on the waiver wire right now or will be shortly. So it's curious. Seattle. Chris Carson has been dominant. But the fumbles are definitely an issue. In fact, one of them two weeks ago was given to Russell Wilson. I think it should have been given to Carson also. The question is Rashad Penny. He is still out there on waiver wires. He's probably going to be back this week. The lead running back in Seattle is valuable. Last year, Carson was fifth in 14 games in rushing yards among running backs. So Carson, Penny, where do you see this playing out here rest of season? I So it, Chris Carson this season so far... If he didn't get you to two touchdowns in week one, we would be talking about Carson as a definite sell. All of his ancillary numbers, his analytics outside of the two touchdowns have looked bad so far this season. You add in the fumbles and the fact that Sneaky Pete stuck him on the bench and he gathered splinters all up in his butt after he put the ball on the ground again. And we saw CJ Procise, the the zombie corpse of CJ Procise get run last week. I think you need to pick up Penny. You need to stash him. Carson is not playing well overall right now. And if he continues doing that, if he fumbles the ball again, we could see Penny take over the majority share of this backfield. Because like you're talking about, Seattle wants to run the ball. It's a question of who. And Carson is, he is quickly throwing this job in the trash can. And I'm a big hashtag team backfield draft guy when it's applicable. This was one that it was applicable. I still have Penny stashed and I'm just waiting. I don't care who it is, Derek. I just want it to be one guy because that's the guy that I'm going to end up playing. The next one, I have some fascination with the Denver Broncos running backs. I know their offense is really not prolific, but both guys, Lindsey and Freeman, are rare, versatile backs. They can both run it well. They can both catch it. The one that's confusing me is Philip Lindsay, the undrafted free agent, the shorter, smaller of the two, is getting the goal line touches. Freeman is actually getting more yards per carry, and he's actually gotten more targets and receptions the last two weeks, but Lindsay is getting those goal line touches. So what do you make of the Broncos backfield? 50-50 all the way, or do you think you know Lindsay with the goal line value has more potential here than Freeman? Uh, I still, I, I still lean Lindsay in this way. And I think that it's very, very telling that they're willing to give all the goal line touches because Freeman has not gotten a touch inside the five. It hasn't happened. And I think considering his size, that's very telling about what they think about Philip Lindsay. And if you watch any of the tape, the dude is shifty as all get out. I, I, I 
I get that the the efficiency metrics lean towards Freeman. We know both of these guys are getting work in the pass game. Just with as much explosiveness as I see out of Lindsay, the inside the five roll, which has been a stranglehold by Lindsay. If there's one guy that I'll buy into in this backfield, and you're right, it's this offense as a whole is not pretty. It'd be Philip Lindsay for me. In San Francisco, the Jeff Wilson goal line use has been maddening to me because Tevin Coleman's there. We had Coleman, Brita, McKinnon. Then McKinnon goes out, so it's Brita, Coleman. Then Coleman goes out, you figured it's Brita. Now here comes Raheem Mostert, and now Jeff Wilson on top of that. But Tevin Coleman should be back. Niners are on a bye this week along with the Jets. Tevin Coleman should be back next week. So moving forward... Is Brita a hold? Is Tevin Coleman, you think, a buy because he's going to step into the Jeff Wilson mode? What do you make of the San Francisco backfield? I, I think you got to pour yourself a drink and and, and just hold on. <laughs> it's, it's so difficult to project what the heck Kyle Shanahan is going to do because it, you, you were hoping, okay, so Tevin Coleman goes out and, and we always talk about, okay, three-man backfields, when they get limited to two, then you buy in. And so it's like, woo, baby, let's buy in. And then Jeff Wilson just rides in on the Matt Asiata train, and he's like, Oh, there it is, Matt Asiata. There dude, it is. Very nice. <laughs> 13. Like, 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 seriously, no yards. Give me all the tutties, baby. And no, but none for anybody else. Like, what do you do with that? And so moving forward, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do in San Francisco. It's absolutely maddening. It's crazy. Like, I want to buy into Tevin Coleman. And considering – I've seen some leagues you could find him on the waiver wire. Some people have just just given up all the hope for Tevin Coleman. If you could get him at dirt cheap, sure, buy in. Because Shanahan brought him in here for a specific purpose, to be the goal line back. He's talked about it all offseason. If he gets his health right, I think he can be the back to own here because we know that Breida can't still hit, stay healthy. And Raheem Mostert's going to go back into the cupboard as soon as Tevin Coleman gets back here. I, I, I do believe that. So I'm willing to buy in on Tevin if I can get him dirt cheap. Past that, I, I do think that this becomes more of a two-man backfield. And maybe I'm just crazy, but whew, it's it's definitely been something like if I had hair, I'd be pulling out after three weeks. <laughs> And honestly, this is a team, I remember reading in Warren Sharp's book, that was due for some positive regression in close games. Last year, they they were terrible in close games. They got everyone healthy now for the most part, not McKinnon, of course, but Coleman's coming back, and they're 3-0. and So here's a team that's actually done a nice job. They're playing well. You want the goal line running back on a team that's winning. It just makes logical sense. I think it's going to be Tevin Coleman, but if Jeff Wilson gets a goal line touch with Tevin Coleman comes back, you're going to hear the groans from fantasy people all across the country. Last one I'll ask you here, New England. You mentioned Sony Michelle earlier. Completely agree, Derek. I don't buy it. I think he's getting marginalized. I think the knee problems in the offseason, Belichick's got Damian Harris, who was active last week because James White went home for the birth of his child. James White is back. And by the way, I'm doing an article here for Action Network. I took a look at it. Tom Brady, zero touchdown passes in the last two games against Sean McDermott, Buffalo Bill defenses in Buffalo. But James White has had 17 
17 and a half PPR fantasy points in those two games. So he could smash this week. Rex Burkhead is there. He's leading the team in carries, rushing yards, and had one rushing touchdown in, in the game last week. Damian Harris, of course, we talked about. So my question is, what do you do with the Patriots' backfield? Because going back to LeGarrett Blunt and all those days there, Deion Lewis, second half of the year, the running back there has been extremely valuable. I think if you have a deep bench, it's time that you possibly need to toss Damian Harris on the end of it. Oh, good one. Okay. I, I, I really do. Um, Sonny Michelle has just been dust, man. His his legs are not under him, and people want to talk about some of the offensive line concerns, but Michelle's not creating any thing for himself and James White we know if so what what I do like James White in some aspects with Antonio Brown not there now I mean White ceiling was absolutely gone as soon as we saw like just an alpha wide receiver I think that helped James White out of everybody the most with Antonio leaving excellent point um Burkhead I always have a hard issue ever buying into him because it's never just this with Burkhead. It's never these sexy stat lines. Like he always somehow ends up with like in the mid teens in yards. I mean, in touches, he ends up somewhere around 70 yards. And if he gets two touchdowns, then you're sitting here lapping the field and you're laughing the entire time. But is he ever going to put up a hundred rushing yards? Is he ever going to get you a bonus on DK? Is he ever going to sit here and have a smash, absolute smash week? And I don't care what people want to talk about because if they thought Burkhead was going to be this 70% snap player and stuff like that, then they were full of it last week. Cause I don't buy that. I, I just, I'm willing to buy in and, and the narrative is tried and true. We've seen it enough times, Mike, you take the cheapest guy. And right now, that's the long-forgotten ghost of Damian Harris. I think that's the guy that you put at the end of your bench in deeper leagues and you wait for something to happen because a Burkhead injury is always in play. Michelle's 75-year-old legs could give out at any moment, any moment, and we could have a James White and Damian Harris show. So that's the move for me. So Derek Brown is telling you to invest in Damian Harris, and I am going to tell you to invest in Harry's Razors. 10 million people have tried Harry's Razors. I have them here. Several of the people at Rotoviz do. You can go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to claim the special offer. If you're tired of getting ripped off and paying for those overpriced razors, Harry's makes quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. If you don't love the shave, you let them know, and they give you a full refund, unlike if you pick up Damian Harris, you're not going to get a refund. This summer, refresh your wallet and your face with a Harry's trial set. It comes with a weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip. You have a five-blade razor that has a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade for a close shave and that rich lathering shave gel that will leave you smelling great. You get a travel blade cover to keep the razor dry as you're on the move here. Listeners to this show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com backslash blue wire make sure you go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to redeem your offer and let them know that i sent you to help support the show and after that it's time to make a couple wagers derek and i have talked tonight about green bay philadelphia we talked about prop bets we talked about all these great things it's time for you to sit down go to mybookie.ag and start winning some money no one gives you more ways to win than they do they got the fastest payouts the better lines than any other sports book don't forget where you bet folks is even 
more important as who you're betting on. They're the best in the business. I wouldn't be telling you to do this if they weren't the best. I'm going to be making some prop bets with them tonight. Really enjoy it. You can try a parlay. You can try a teaser. You multiply your winnings when you have more teams in there. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season, of course, is the best time of year. So if you join my bookie, they will double your first deposit. Please use a promo code BLUEWIRE. That's right. That promo code BLUEWIRE activates the offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Derek, I've been asking this to everyone who's come on. I want to know your favorite American band of all time. I'm a metalhead, tried and true. Uh, I will be until the day I die, so I'll put the horns up in the air. My favorite band, and a lot of no, no, most people might not even know who this is, a band called Killswitch Engage. And as crazy as that name sounds, oh, it, yeah, that it, is a unique one. Oh, yeah. great. It's a, it's a, it's an old, they, they got the name from an old Simpsons uh, show, uh, and they are. I even have lyrics from this band tattooed on my person. So I, that will be the band that I will have playing whenever they put me into the ground. God, I wish I could change the music and play that coming in or coming out on this interview. That's a great idea. I have another fantasy question from a Saquon owner. So, of course, these are coming fast and furious. In a 12-team, three-wide receiver, two-running back, no flex. What are they doing, by the way? PPR League. Lost Saquon, and that leaves the person with David Montgomery, Royce Freeman, and Miles Sanders. So they feel like, oh, this really kills my RB value because Saquon was the standard, and then I was just rotating in RB2s. They have two offers on the table. Do you like trading Chris Godwin straight up to acquire Leonard Fournette, or do you like trading Godwin for the aforementioned Chris Carson and Terry McLaurin? What would you do in this situation? Looks like someone needs to get a running back here to help with Saquon. Which one of those do you like better? I ugh, I don't really like either one of them, to be honest with you. That's um, fair. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I would de- definitively not do the Carson and McLaurin trade. I would not because if Carson's dust – that you just traded a wide receiver two for what a wide receiver three? I, I'm not doing that trade any any day. Uh, as far as Godwin for Fournette, I think that it's apples to apples. I think that with your needs for running back, I could see doing the trade. Although I would advise probably not this week. I think that it's a it's a rough matchup versus the Broncos. Fournette, I think that you could get him cheaper in the coming weeks. That's a good point. He's getting the volume, but he still hasn't put up a massive game. He still hasn't gotten into the end zone. At least I, I don't believe he's had a touchdown this year yet. And so I, I would probably be holding. I think you have a bunch of lottery tickets. You have Montgomery, whose snaps and, and touches are trending up. You have Freeman. So if anything happens to Lindsey, he, he's going to be the dude. And you have Miles Sanders, who, yes, is locked into a massive committee, but anything happens in Philly, and he gets a bump up too. So I think right now you you play a mix and match. I mean, with this being a PPR league, I think that there are probably waiver options, whether you go the Chris Thompson direction or things of that nature, and you can mix and match if you have stout wide receivers to get passable production out of these running backs. So... I'd probably be making neither one of these moves. If you feel like it's a must, then I'd be going. I'd be getting Fournette here. You were right about Fournette. No touchdowns this year. He's been RB 25, 21, and 17, but he is trending in the right direction. But I agree, this week at Denver is going to be very, very tough on a Broncos team that needs a win. So maybe you wait a week after. I, I think that's a very fair point. And Chris Thompson also could be able to carry this person through. Excellent advice. 
RB half point PPR question with Drew Brees out. Is Latavius Murray ever going to get an increase in volume? I don't buy Kamara as an 80% snap share guy, which is what he's been, but Murray has done nothing so far this year. So are you buying that Latavius Murray could cut back into that snap share or do you think it's Alvin Kamara's for the rest of the season? I think that it's Kamara's backfield for the rest of the season. I'm not buying the 80% snap share, but I don't think that you keep Latavius Murray on your bench, not unless you have a deep bench and you're holding him just for a high-end handcuff status, which at this point of the season, that's not the move you need to be making because you're probably going to be staring at week nine, week 10, and you're going to be like four and six or three and seven and say, oh, dear God, what did I do all season? But I think that if you have to make one of the moves, it's probably drop Latavius at this point because what you bought in with Latavius is not so much the snap share, but you bought in the high touchdown equity. And as long as Teddy Bridgewater is under center, that touchdown equity is gone. As far as the ability for the Saints to put up consistently 30 points per game, can they do that? Uh, Sure. And and people are going to say, well, but they did it last week. Well, yeah, but they also scored uh, what on a punt return and a defensive touchdown. So that entire 30-point rendezvous was not actually this entire offense. So I think the move here is if you got a super, super deep bench, hold Latavius. If it's a standard size bench, like five, six, you drop him at this point. Week four is here. Derek, stop being so selfish. I want to win a million dollars, okay? So why don't you just give myself and the listeners one person at each position, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, that you think is a real sneaky tournament play that could pop up and have a big week here, but right now maybe has that mid-price range that's flying under the radar? So the guy that I love at quarterback, and nobody ever rushes to play him because even though he's in a smash spot, I think people are going to rush to play Austin Eckler, and they're going to rush to play Keenan Allen, and they're going to leave Villa Rivers out of any of their builds. Oh, good one. Very and smart. So the thing here is is that people are like – they always go to the narrative, oh, well, if the team blows them out, then why are they going to throw? And I'm like, okay, but how did they get to that point? And the way that the Chargers have been getting to that point, what they've been doing this far throughout the season is throwing the ball. Even in new uh, in positive game scripts, in positive game scripts, the Chargers are throwing the ball more than any team in the NFL. They're throwing it eighty percent. You have Philip Rivers, who has gone over two hundred ninety-three yards in every single game after only hitting that mark six times all of last year. So, if people love Keenan Allen and they love Austin Eckler, how can you not love Philip Rivers? How I, I don't understand that. That's an excellent, excellent point in quarterback, and that's a contrarian one. I know he's on the road at Miami, but people are going to say, wait a minute, they're going to get up big, and then they're going to run the ball. Melvin Gordon, obviously, is not going to play this week, but it looks like he'll be back for next week, so it's ambiguity. People don't like that. I could see that being an avoid. What about running back? I think running back, so getting back to the Josh Jacobs point, I think there's one of two running backs that I like a lot this week, because I think that... The script in this game, and you look at the offensive line play, much less the defenses here, I think that this could be a slower place game. But I think that Marlon Mack and Josh Jacobs could own this game. If you look at both of these, both of these run blocking lines are top 10 in the NFL. I think this is a good bounce back spot for Jacobs. And Marlon Mack, we've seen him. He's gotten fed the entire the entirety of this year so far. He's going to get the red zone touches. He just ripped this defense apart last year with 149 total yards and two touchdowns. So as contrarian as it is, nobody 
nobody is going to run out there to play Josh Jacobs, much less Marlon Mack, because I, I don't know why they hate Marlon Mack. I think that both of those guys are going to go under-owned and could both put up uh, 120 yards and, and multiple touchdowns this week. But Marlon Mack is third in the league in rushing. He's another one of these guys that sometimes comes in injured or is on the injury report, so people get nervous. But in terms of volume, he's right up there with, with the running volume. He's getting behind a superior offensive line. Excellent point there. Wide receiver, what do you have? So I, I went to this last week in my wide receiver cornerback matchups over at the Quant Edge, and I'm going to go right back to the well this week because no Nobody's going to run out to play him. The fact that Bryce Callahan is out with a foot injury, the guy that is going to go super under-owned, and this game is nasty. We kind of talked about the Broncos already, but Isaac Kidham on the outside is a total free pass. He's a turnstile. MBS ate him up last week, and the other guy that's going to face him this week, who also has 4.3 speed, and people love the other guy in that wide receiver core, DJ Chark. I really, really like Chris Conley this week, Mike. That's a great one. That is deep. Yes, this is why we have Derek Brown on the show. Yes. Dude, he's at 4K over on DK. Nobody's going to play him. Nobody wants any part of that game. I promise you, I would bet money he's going to go under 1% this week. Nobody's going to touch him. And if he goes off for multiple touchdowns at 120, you're lapping and you're all in it for the millie. That is why you're here and finish it off with a tight end play for us in DFS week four. Man, I'm going to go back to the narratives and uh, people, there's two teams right now that are just bleeding out points to the tight end position. And everybody's probably going to expect me to say Will Disley at this point. I'm not the the guy that and I'm staying on the Colts and the Raiders game. I'm buying into the massive target share and I'm also buying into them eating up zone coverage. I really like Darren Waller again this week. Uh, whether people are going to sit here and rush to, I I don't think that anybody's going to rush to play him. I get it. Like if they do, then that's fine. I'll go a little bit deeper Then you could, if T Y Hilton is out, you could flip the other side of this script and get in either Eric Ebron or Jack Doyle. And if T Y Hilton is out, you could see each one of these tight ends catch a touchdown this week for the Colts. Darren Waller, number one among all tight ends, 26 receptions. Darren Waller, number one among all tight ends in target share, 30.2%. Darren Waller, number one, George Kittle-esque in yards after catch, 142. That is a great call. And it's amazing, Derek, that the Raiders have their offense basically centered around someone who was not in football last year, right? Yep, it's crazy. And there's so many other good tight ends to get that I I think that he gets sub-ownership this week, even though he absolutely smashed the Vikings last week. I am a gin martini guy that has resulted my father-in-law who's gotten me into them. TJ Hernandez came on. We talked about how he has a strong aversion to IPAs, which has been supported and negated in future weeks with some other guests that have come on. What is the go-to drink of choice on a Friday night in the Brown household? Uh, Let me get this in very quickly before I talk about my favorite. I I cannot understand the fascination with White Claws. I will never get down with that. I (laughs) I just had my first one the other night. I just had it. (laughs) I don't get it, man. Look, the the props to Evan Silva, much love, dude. But your drink of choice is not mine, my man. Uh, For me, it's all honey whiskey. I will absolutely drink honey whiskey in its most purest form. You give me a bottle, you give me a glass, and you just pour it to the rim. And I will drink that until the day I die. 
Next up is Momentum or No Momentum Time. This is sponsored by FFB Cast. Visit FFBcast.com for your fantasy league's very own custom podcast. They record custom podcasts for your fantasy league. Their Quick Clips episode offers a video option where they live stream the recording on their Twitch channel. You can also request guests to come on and make an appearance to break down your league. Please follow them on Twitter at FFBcast and check them out on Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. Derek, these are players who are they going to continue the momentum from last week or do you think they're going to slow down first up is tonight we're looking at half ppr of course you talked about him marquez valdez scantling 10 targets six receptions 99 receiving yards one touchdown do you think he can continue this and be a wide receiver to rest of season I think wide receiver two is probably asking a a lot out of him considering what we've seen from the volume for the Packers. Do I think that he crushes this week? I absolutely do. I love him on the showdown slate for for tonight. Um, I I think probably more in his line of outcomes is wide wide receiver two spike weeks, but he's probably a high-end wide receiver three rest of season. Is it safe to say that you see him and Geronimo Allison maybe alternating weeks or something like that where one goes off and one does not? No, I think that it's MBS for me. I think that the fact that with the Packers and as long as LaFleur loves to still run his 12 personnel, MBS is the guy that is not going to come off the field, whereas Allison will. And that's going to give him the tar- the weekly target bump over Allison. Buccaneers Mike Evans, okay, had a massive game last week. We saw it coming. Eight receptions, 190 yards, three touchdown stat line. Chris Godwin did not have a good performance. But my question is, do you see Evans continuing this and being the better wide receiver fantasy option over Godwin for rest of schedule? Oh, it's such a mess. Um I'm still going to put Evans over Godwin only because I think that I, I think that Jameis is more inclined to feed him on a regular basis. I mean, we saw Godwin had the matchup. He had a great matchup last week. There's no reason they shouldn't have got more targets. But I, I think you're more inclined to see more 15 target weeks from Mike Evans than you ever will for Chris Godwin, whether wrong or right. Like I just think that he's still the number one there. Go down to Carolina, new quarterback now, Kyle Allen, who may be there longer than people realize. Greg Olson, six receptions, 75 receiving yards, two touchdowns last week. Old Man River, 34-year-old Greg Olson, who right now has a 22.5% target share. Even with Kyle Allen, momentum or no momentum here with Gregory Olson as a tight end one? I think he keeps it going. I bought in uh, in draft season. I was grabbing the old man narrative everywhere I could. I have so many shares of Delaney Walker and Greg Olson. It's ridiculous. There were free squares. I think that Olson continues it. I put him as, I think he'll be a top 10 at his floor for the rest of the season. As long as health stays with him, regardless of who is under center, he plays a role in that offense that nobody else does. And last one here, Marvin Jones. He was 6-101-1 while Kenny Galladay was pretty much taken out of the equation there by Philadelphia. Is he a legit waiver wire pickup and someone who can move forward here? Or do you think TJ Hawkinson comes back in the picture with Danny Amendola and pretty much negates him? We've heard about the Lions offseason, how they run first, but Matthew Stafford's been solid. Kenny Galladay was great before this game. My question is, Marvin Jones' momentum continue this week and beyond as a wide receiver too? I think it's Kenny Galladay's show. 
all day, every day. I think Marvin Jones was more of a matchup play. I think he's better view as a wide receiver three at best. Um, I'm not willing to put him as a wide receiver two, although Stafford's taking tons of deep shots. I just don't think he's going to have the weekly volume. We talked about this earlier. Melvin Gordon now is back. He's going to be reporting, looks like, next week. I think that makes Justin Jackson pretty much non-fantasy relevant, but what can we expect? What can fantasy owners expect from Austin Eckler once Gordon is back in the fold? I think you look at last year, and I think that with Hunter Henry, him being out, I mean, they've talked about him coming back. His health is always in question. It has to be at least at this point in juncture of his career. And I think that the the running backs for the Chargers is still remain and get that, that huge target share. Uh, I think Austin Eckler is probably best viewed as a low-end RB2. Anything happens to Gordon because, look, he's going from 0 to 80. He's going with no in preseason, and there's a difference between being in gym shape as opposed to being in football shape. I'll quote my buddy Matty over at, the T- at TQE and that. I Gordon has a huge injury history. I think you hold Eckler, and he still could be the guy at the end of the season in this backfield. Yeah, sometimes those guys who hold out come back and get injured right away. That's that's certainly someone you should hold and wait and see here. Derek, what's the best Christmas or birthday gift you received as a child? I Man, I'm a huge video game nerd. I, I still remember getting uh, an N64, getting all the way back into it. Cartridge games, of all things. Sure, of course. I still remember getting an N64 when I was a kid and playing until I just could not keep my eyes open. I played wrestling games like had Hollywood Hogan and Marcus Bagwell. NWO. NWO, Oh, baby. It was so beautiful. I will remember that forever. I loved that system in that game. Listener wants to know, rookie wide receivers have been smashing, but rank these three rest of season in half PPR. DK Metcalf in Seattle, Marquise Brown in Baltimore, or Terry McLaurin in Washington? How do you rank them? Uh, It's Marquise McLaurin and then DK. And the reason people are going to say, well, why are you putting Marquise Brown above McLaurin in half? I think that Marquise Brown, the one thing that he is going for him, there is no quarterback situation. There is nothing to worry about there. He's going to get the deep shots just like McLaurin. But unlike McLaurin, if they make a quarterback switch, if it's Keenum, if it's Haskins, if it's, heck, Colt McCoy is practicing now. That can be the definitive thing to, to split the difference between those two at the top. And for me, it's Marquise Brown. I think that he has more ceiling games rest of the season than McLaurin does. Time for our Week 4 lightning round. Pick the player you think will have a bigger Week 4 performance. Assume half PPR. Let's start with two road wide receivers. Keenan Allen at Miami or Amari Cooper on Sunday Night Football at New Orleans? I think it's Keenan Allen. They have nobody with Miami that can stay with him, like any. Running backs. on Johnson at home versus Kansas City or David Johnson at home against Seattle? Uh, as bad as the KC run defense is, Carrion's gotten all of his rush attempts in neutral or positive game scripts, so we have no clue what he does in a negative game script, which is going to be the case with KC. It's DJ for me. I think that he smashes this week. Top wide receiver to bounce back this week. Juju Smith-Schuster had the big catch, but he's been disappointing this year. Monday night football at home against the Bengals. Or Calvin Ridley, who is mysteriously on the carpet, non-existent in Indianapolis, at home against Tennessee. 
Um, I'm going to hedge here. I think both of them have great games. I really, really do. I think Juju has the better game out of the two of them, but I really think both of them bounce back in these spots. And better bounce back here. I think we talked about this already from week three disappointment. Are you going Galladay at home versus KC or Diggs against Chicago? I can't find a Diggs. I just can't do it right now. It's all Galladay. (laughs) The scoring environment, the scoring environment for the Lions and the Chiefs is just so juicy this week, Mike. You got to get your Galladay in. I agree, DFS for sure. What's the best sporting event you ever attended in person? Man, I went to a Saints game when I was growing up. Uh, I can't remember the exact year, but I do know one thing, man. It was Joe Montana's last year in the NFL, and the Chiefs absolutely ripped apart my Saints. And watching Joe Cool play one of his last years in the NFL, even though my Saints lost, was something that I'll never forget. Derek, this has been great. You've been fantastic, entertaining, killed it. I got one more question, then I'll let you out of here. So we now are entering the fourth week. So we're getting there past the one-third point, pretty much at the one-third point. And there are some people who are going to hold on to those first early round picks, hoping for production. The Mike Evans people from last week, Devontae Adams this week. Who is the guy that you recommend, you really didn't have many shares of, let's say, who you think, listen, if you have this guy in round one or round two and you're still holding, it's time to get rid of them because it's not going to get any better. Who's that top guy there that you really maybe didn't like? And if somebody has him, you'd say, you know what, even if they're doing well, I'd get rid of them right now. I know people. People are tired of me talking about him. I've been fading him since last year, the stretch run in the playoffs. I have no shares because he never fell outside of the top, uh, outside of round two for me, and I was not going to take him there. And that's Todd Gurley. I, I, I will not buy into it. His pass game role is absolute dust. The the Rams are targeting their running backs only seven point seven percent of the time. At Gurley, you add in the injury risk because it's there. It's still there. We're only at week four, so we haven't seen it, but it's coming. I would be trading Todd Gurley away in every single league if I had him. I think this game tells all because I think they're in a smash spot against Tampa Bay coming cross country. They're at home. Goff's average like 342 passing yards at home. If Gurley doesn't get right and have a big game here, I agree. It's not going to get any better because if they're in a close battle on the road. He's not getting the ball. He should be able to get some good points this week. Folks, Derek Brown, one of the great grinders out there. He's fantastic on Twitter. He's got videos. He responds to you retweets stuff, interacts, gives you advice, must follow on Twitter at dbro underscore FFB, doing great work over at the Quant Edge. Make sure that you look for him there and follow him on Twitter. Absolutely. Derek, thanks so much. You have us ready. Week four is here. When I win the million dollars, the check will be in the mail. (laughs) I'll be waiting for that PayPal message. Uh, (laughs) Thanks. Look, Mike, thank you for having me. This has been a a great, great time, man. I I, I can't wait to check out all the episodes all season long of all the great guests that you get up in here. Thank you again for having me, man. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio and at randallrant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcasts. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in.